why conservatism always fails. I think this is a very needed conversation today that is seldom had, and I'm probably going to upset everybody with this video, but I think it's a good one. Now, I've been a fan of a new Christian creator, Redeemed Zoomer, put together this Instagram carousel that I thought was fantastic. I had to share it with you guys. Check this out. Why conservatism always fails and what to do about it. All right? Everybody's going to be offended on this. I promise you. You're all going to be mad. All right. You guys ready? Buckle up. What has conservatism conserved? Question mark. Hmm. Because you guys, you guys know that's what conservatism is, right? You're trying to conserve something. The family? No. The church? No. Religion? No. The arts? No. Hard work? No. Guns? Maybe. Despite some occasional electoral victories, because elections are based on raw numbers rather than institutions, conservatism has lost almost every cultural battle in the last 70 years. Progressives have taken over every major established institution in the West, whether it be churches, schools, universities, the Boy Scouts, the media, entertainment, the arts. In some ways, the conservative strategies are to blame, but it goes even deeper. This has always been my issue with conservatives and conservatism is the strategies. The strategy of being primarily known by what you're against and trying to seemingly stay the same or take us backward. Not a good strategy, all right? Why this happened? Conservatives backpedal of society. Progressives are the gas pedal of society. That's interesting, right? If society is a moving power, progressives are the gas pedal pushing and conservatives try to slow or reverse it. Okay, so if society is a moving car, progressives are the gas pedal pushing for change and conservatives try to slow or reverse it. But society is always in motion. Society is always in motion. Conservatives can sometimes slow down change, but can hardly ever prevent it from happening or reverse it. The idea of the younger generation will always win and the old people's complaints can never stop that from happening. Are you guys triggered yet? Who's triggered? You can't go back. This is good. The ultimate red pill is this. You cannot rewind the clock of society. You cannot go back to the good old days. Even if you did rewind the clock, the same stuff would just happen over again. Conservatism, whether it says so or not, is often subconsciously about going back to a time that was lost. This is why a lot of times people who come from marginalized groups aren't big fans of conservatism because for them, when you say make America great again, who is it great for? And when was it great? And right, and so going back to a time, right? This, the actual slogan is literally about going back. Make a make a make a make a great again. Going back to what? To a time that was lost for who? This strategy will never win ever. We, we are where we are, and the only way to go is forward. Progress comes from Christianity. Come on, somebody. And then he draws this map and he says, this is the pre-Christian pagan world, the Roman Empire. And then you got the Christian West, right? Things get better. Things improve. Leftism does this, right? Marxism does this. You guys see the little blue line? It does this. And the fact that I'm talking about some, uh, the fact that I'm even talking about this and some of you guys are saying I'm, I'm talking about CRT. Darkness. This is a sickness of the highest order. We talk about leftist woke brain rot. rot. Me even talking about this, and some of you guys are like, it sounds a lot like CRT. This, that's the problem right here. 
That's why you're not. That's why we're not winning back society. That's why we're not winning culture. That's why we're not improving things, right? Because the reality is, progress comes from Christianity. That is who makes things better. If you look at the world before Jesus, things were really bad, and things guess what? They improved. Christians improved the world. It made things better. Yeah, we did. Did you know that? That's why you should study church history. You should know what the world was like before Jesus. You should know what the Roman Empire was like before Jesus. Christianity is progressive in that it has always been about the transformation and improvement of society. The reason conservative Christianity is so impotent is that it denies a core tenet of Christianity, a core tenet of Christianity, that the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. Many leftist ideas were rooted in Christianity, but were a corruption of it. Leftism started out as a Christian heresy. Leftism started out as a Christian heresy. Christianity needs to be progressive. Now, the way he's saying the word progressive is not what the word progressive means, okay? When Christianity triumphed in society, it sold itself as the future, the thing that society was progressing into. In the Roman Empire, Christians were seen as progressives who were destroying traditional Roman values. Christians have been behind things like the abolition of slavery in the past and the one modern Christian victory was overturning Roe v. Wade, which, it, which as its essence is progressive. Overturning Roe v. Wade is progressive. In the Roman Empire, you know how Christians were progressive? Christians were the ones who would care for the sick when plagues would break out by giving them food and water while the rest of the Romans would just throw them in gutters. Christians were the ones that were progressive in that they were caring for the babies that were discarded. In the Roman Empire, I believe it was about for every 100 girls that were born, there was 128 boys that were born because women were viewed as inferior and were often discarded at birth. Christians would take them in. They would literally pull babies out of the river. Christians were the ones that were caring for babies. Christians were the ones that were caring for widows. Christians were the ones that were building hospitals after the middle, uh, medieval stages. Christians were the ones that were building universities, education, literacy. We were actually the ones progressing culture. This isn't CRT. That's not what we're talking about. The road forward. Okay, so he draws this little line here. 1950s is America, right? 1950s America. You are here. And then who knows what this would be like? We can't go back here. We can't go back. We can't go back. We can't go back here. We're not going back to 1950s. Did you know that? It's not happening. But maybe we can go here. Maybe we can influence and make society better. Who knows? What do you guys think about this? I'm curious to hear from you guys. You guys, you guys upset yet? You guys think I, I didn't go on woke? What is the issue? The issue is very simple. The issue is this. Instead of attempting to live out this transformative power of the gospel in our lives, that we have been made new creatures, born again because of the work on the cross of Jesus, because we've placed our faith in him, repented of our sins. Instead of taking that and saying, okay, now we're new creatures. Now we're going to move accordingly. We're actually going to care for the widow and the orphan. We're actually going to live out the gospel so that no one has to demand that the government do it. Huh, who would have thought? So that no one would have to encourage them to tax the rich and take away the that we were dealing with these issues on the ground. Perhaps in that regard, we can start to change 
and move things forward progressively in the ways of Jesus instead of the bastardization and the distortion of progressive values, really just meaning fundamentalism for leftist ideologues. Hey, you wanna see something kinda crazy? Over 75% of the people that watch this channel are not subscribed. Please consider subscribing and turning your bell notification on so that you don't miss anything we have going here. What if that is what we were known by? Check this out. I, I had this conversation with somebody. I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna point to a verse to you guys real quick. I was having a conversation. We were talking about some of this stuff. We were ta uh, I was talking to a gentleman about, hey, caring for poor people and caring for marginalized people and, and, and so on and so forth, right? And I said, you know something interesting that this is actually addressed in scripture, but not in the way that you think it is. Meaning that we often take the concept of justice and we conflate it not with God's justice, but with our distorted, perverted version of justice, right? We take the concept of equal opportunity and we pervert it with our version of equal outcome or equity, right? And the interesting thing is there's actually a system in Scripture on how we are to deal with those who maybe aren't able to provide or protect for themselves, right? The, the, those that, that, that are maybe more vulnerable, right? Those, those that are the least of these. And we see it in Matthew chapter 25, but here's another chapter that's really fascinating. This is 1 Timothy chapter 5, right? And he's kind of writing to the church about how to speak to elders, how to deal with people. And he says, for, uh, verse 1, this is 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. There's the layout, by the way, in terms of how you're supposed to speak to different people, that there should be honor for how we speak to older people. Now, verse 3, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Ooh, I'm cutting deep right now. Oh, we're not ready to have this conversation. Nope. Where is the welfare system? Where is the, where, where is Social Security? Nope. There's a widow. And she has children or grandchildren where the first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that what? That pleases God. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day asking God for help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure and is spiritually dead, even while she lives, give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. What is happening here? There's widows who are actual widows and have no one to take care of them. And then there's widows who are single, basically all over again, living their best life, and they're spiritually dead even while they're alive, right? Two, two types of widows. And he's giving instructions on how to deal with them. So the first part is he's saying, like, look, if, the, if these widows, because women were very vulnerable in this society, don't get it twisted. Women were very vulnerable in this society. And so he's saying, first of all, if there's a widow, take care of the widow by what? Having her live with her children or her grandchildren. Why? Because it's their responsibility to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. And then he goes on to say, now here are these other widows. 
If there's a real widow that really has no one, let her place her hope in God. She prays nine days asking God for help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. This is the widow that might be sleeping around. This is the widow that might be out there in the streets. Okay, you know, she's not really in need like that. Right? Get, now, now, check this out. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. Okay, so here are the instructions to the church in terms of how to care for vulnerable people. Here are the instructions to the church on how to care for vulnerable people. And he echoes what he just said in verse 4. Check this out. He says, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. A widow is someone who is put on the list of support, must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well-respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served others, other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widow should not be on the list. The church is saying, don't put the younger widow on the list. Don't put her on the list. Interesting, isn't it? Because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. Then they would be guilty of breaking the previous pledge. If they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy and spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them, for I am afraid some of them will have gone astray now to follow Satan. Okay, now if a woman is a uh, widow, um, is a believer who has no relatives, she must she must take care of them and put the responsibility on a church. Then the church can take care for their widows who are for there are widows who are truly alone. Check this out. This is craziness. Okay, so first of all, it's saying that there's a distinguishment in the types of widows there are. Younger widows, they're gonna be you know they're gonna want to remarry. Don't put them on the list to have the church take care of them. Why? Because when you serve them, it actually doesn't serve them. It hurts them. Because now they got a lot of idle time on their hands and they're going to be gossiping and they're going to be busybodies. Okay, that's what that's what the Bible says. I'm sorry. That's what the Bible says. They'll be lazy, spend all their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business, talking about things they shouldn't be talking about. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say. That's what the Bible says. So what it says is, hey, let the younger widows re, re, let the young younger widows remarry, but those folks who have children and children, let them take care of them. And then he he doubles down on this. He doubles down on this, right? But those who don't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than non-believers. Here's what Paul is saying. The church is to be a vehicle to care for vulnerable widows who have no family. Yes and amen. But the church is also instructing those who have a family to care for their own family, especially those in their own households. This is how the welfare system in the church is being fleshed out. We shouldn't need the government to do this for us. We shouldn't need taxing the rich who don't pay their fair share, even though the 1% pay like 80% of all the taxes that come in. That's a whole nother side point. We shouldn't need to be, to be meddling in all that. If we just did this, if we just did this, are you taking care of your older parents? Because uh, this is what this says. Hello, take care of any widow who has no one else to take care of her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Hello, take care of your own freaking parents and grandparents. And then he doubles down on this. Those who don't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the faith 
Such people are worse than unbelievers. So you mean to tell me that there was a welfare system of sorts, yet there were requirements for it, and it was being ran by the church. Interesting, isn't it? And by the way, this isn't just talking about taking care of your Christian family members. This is talking about your relatives, your relatives, those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household that denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. What if this was a type of progressive, progressive in quotations, actually making progress in society, value we implemented? What if one of the things that we were known by was how much we cared for our elderly, how much we cared for our parents, how much we cared for our grandparents and our extended family? What if your whole life wasn't just about you and your self-actualization, but your whole life was also how are you fleshing out these principles and caring for the people that cared for you, caring for the people that birthed you, caring for the people that wiped your butt when they're no longer able to wipe their own butt. And that was a bit, that was, Darkness. that was a bit much. I know that was a bit, that was a bit much. That was a bit much, but you guys get my drift. Here's a way the church can be progressive. Those folks who ain't got family members, those folks who ain't got family members, but they're in the church, care for those folks too. Care, care for those folks. The church can care for those folks. It seems like this is an, this is a primarily a, a, an American issue. We ship off our old who tend to be the actual people that laid the groundwork for our lives into homes, we check out and we go on with our dreams and our self-actualization. That doesn't sound like gospel living to me. So I don't know. That's just a way. Like I, I see that and I go, that's progressive to me. That's very progressive. It's not very Western. It's not very, it's not very America first. It's not very America country. God. I mean, I love, I love my God, but right. But that, that sure is progressing communities forward. Let me know what you guys think. That's my thoughts on that. Hey, this is a segment from our daily after-party stream. Consider partnering with us online for as little as $5 a month to get access to these daily after-party streams completely unedited. You'll also get access to our podcast as they are streamed live into the community before anyone else gets to see them, get to interact with our guests, get access to our private Discord server, and a discount code for our store for as little as $5 a month. Ultimately, that will help towards helping us continue contextualizing the gospel using media and podcast here on YouTube. All right, I'll see you over there. Peace.